Welcome, everybody. This is Beer Guys Radio, live in living color. Well, not live. That's a lie. Somewhat, if you're listening to the podcast. It all depends on where you're catching us, whether we're live or liars. That's uh, Maybe we should have some kind of contest, live or liars. I don't know what we would do with that, but uh, it doesn't The answer the is time. lying. Yes, <laughs> always. Just go with that. You've got a good chance of being correct there. Uh, but yeah, another another week, another so much interesting beer stuff to talk about, Brian. Uh, as always, some stats. We got a new beer style that's poking its head up there. Raccoons are getting drunk out there. There's just so much going on. It's uh, going to be a fun week. So, uh, Mo Mike Nate, how's your week been? You you were in a mosh pit recently, is that right? <laughs> I was in a mosh pit last night. It yeah. was very aggressive and angry, but a lot of fun. <laughs> So who did you go see? Because that doesn't seem like your kind of vibe from what I know of. So the headliner band was called Bless the F- is called Bless the Fall. Uh, they had been broken up for about four years and all of a sudden announced new music and a new tour. And it was incredible. Is this something it. you're into or did you have a buddy that drug you along? This is something that despite my outward ex- uh, appearance, I'm very much into. Okay. Okay. For those that don't know, Smalls is very into like very hard metal and if you knew her in real life you wouldn't really guess that probably that she's a metalhead so and it's uh interesting interesting i guess i once got not judge a book by its album cover bro yeah you can't i once got a black eye at a a mosh pit in an air supply concert so i mean (laughs) man i feel like there's got to be more to that story but i'm just gonna keep on moving on i'm I'm going with the lying theme that's a hundred percent lie yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Lie or lie. That's a lie. That <laughs> that's is a lie. Complete lie. Absolutely. Brian, how the heck are you this week? I'm doing good. I'm doing, uh, yeah, it's like I, like I was talking to you about earlier. It's been a busy week, even though I shouldn't be this busy. So, But we have a lot of news to cover. You touched on a little bit of it. We've got Brexit's going to come up in the news for some reason this week. And uh, we got West Coast Pilsners, if you've heard of those, Drunken Raccoons and Hot Dog Straws and... Uh, I don't know how we're going to fit it all in and still have room for Mo Mike Nate. And, uh, yeah, we've already talked to him about the, the concert stuff. So where do we go from here? You guys want to start off with this, uh, West coast There's, Pilsner thing? This, where this do potential we go new from style? here? That's, you know yeah. what? I, I've got to hear about it, Brian. Tell me about the West coast Pilsner. So I didn't know that this was becoming a thing, but I swear I've seen it on a, um, a list somewhere. And I thought it was just somebody being funny, but, uh, Jeff Allworth, uh, who writes for Beervana, he's out of Portland, Oregon. He uh, he's saying that basically, I- at least in the West Coast, this is becoming a consolidated style that's predictable. Uh, he put out a Twitter poll about it to see if other people uh, around the world had ever heard of the style, and about forty percent of people have never heard of it. So, I think this may still just be a West Coast thing, but uh, apparently. Um, it's described as being like an IPA up front, but finishing lightly malty, crisp, and dry. And uh, so my thought is, is like, has this been what we've been heading towards ever since the, uh, oh, the Brute IPA or the the unloved IPL of Days of Yore, where uh, I know Founders released the, what was the center? The center, and I love yeah. that. Is this finally the resting place, the home of the unloved IPL, or are we still moving in some strange direction towards hops and logging? Loggering. Logging. Hops and logging. Um, I feel like we've just played around styles. There's hybrids coming on. There's there's crossbreeding and just all kinds of funky stuff happen with beer styles. You know, we had the the IPL, which I don't think anyone ever bought into that name. And, and it's crazy. We talked about it like with black IPAs versus Cascadian dark ale, same beer style. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got that. You've got uh, quad or Belgian strong dark ale, things like that. You know, which one do people buy into? People never bought into IPL. They just they just didn't. And even though Dissenter was a really good beer, and probably the first release I remember from founders that that get that literally gathered dust on the shelf because people just weren't picking up an IPL there. So we started going to hoppy lager and people seemed more okay with that, you know? So Brian, I had not heard of West Coast Pilsner until you and I talked about it the other night, but I'm imagining, you know, they talk about if I see West Coast, I'm going to think, you know, kind of dry. I'm going to expect that bitterness, you know, West Coast to me says bitter. We're going to have pine. We're going to have grapefruit in there, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So that's what I would expect. 
from a West Coast Pilsner would be kind of a dry, bitter, piney, grapefruity Pilsner. That's what I would expect from the style. In his description of it, when I read the article, I think I got the impression that it wasn't, it's odd that it's called West Coast in that it didn't seem like the focus of it was quite that West Coasty pine and grapefruit. It seemed like it was more of a a non non hazy, but more of a mo- I think he called it a modern IPA flavor. So not specifically West Coast. And he did mention like a, a some fruitiness to it as well, which generally you would assume uh, associate with the New England yeah. IPA. But it kind of a I guess uh, what did I I used to call those like an East Coast IP, IPA or something like that? East Coast. Yeah, we kind of had IPA. a little yeah. a little bit of a hybrid thing. We kind of had a Southeast IPA and an East Coast IPA, Northeast IPA, and I. I don't know that the, I'm not really sure what, what, you know, separated the, the East Coast IPA from the Northeast exactly. Um, but I, I think it, ahead, I always, yeah. I always thought of it is it trend, trended more fruity, a little bit more juicy before juicy became this big, huge thing, but not the haze. It okay. was, it didn't That's need the I haze. Okay. It yeah. didn't need the mouthfeel. It needed more of the, friendlier bitterness and friendlier fruity flavors a little less of the aggressiveness and usually not terribly dank either it was kind of it was the uh the kinder gentler west coast ipa without being super pillowy soft cushiony cloudy new england stuff so well uh, not to disparage that i actually like those as well (laughs) yeah that's and if the west coast ip uh, west coast pills or excuse me is as you describe it then i think the name's confusing because I think uh, most beer drinkers, when you throw out West Coast, you're going to think of that, you know, uh, crisp pine grapefruit in an IPA. Bitter, crisp, bitter pine grapefruit. Unless you're throwing Dippa, then you bring a little malt into the party yeah. there. So, But interesting. You know, I want to try one. And I'll tell you something that we've seen here is when a new beer style comes out and it makes its way, if it's not born here, when it makes its way really anywhere, I think, people that jump on a trip, brewed IPAs, Brian, let me go back to brewed yeah. IPAs, and really the Northeast IPA, the first variations of that that were brewed in the Atlanta area were nowhere close to what they were saying. I remember the brewed IPA, and they were hazy and malty and this and that, and I'm like, look, I've never had like the real brewed IPA you know, from, from California, but I know this is not matching that description that I read at all. So and yeah. that was the way most of them were. So it took it took a while. What's the brewery up in? Uh, I think the first one that I had that that hit the style was that brewery from Chattanooga, Heaven and Ale. No, oh, Argosy. Yeah. We had it at Argosy in uh, in Atlanta, I believe. Heaven and Ale was the first one. I'm like, okay, this actually seems to be hitting what they're saying the style should be. Man, so. that's really going back a ways, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that's been taken so long. way back. The Brood IPA, it's a little flash. I liked them, man. I was probably mm-hmm. one of, obviously one of just a few. Nate, you're nodding your head, so you, you, I'm taking it you were on board with some Brood IPA. Yeah, I, uh, I actually had it at Dry County, and it had that crisp, clean, dry finish I would expect out of a Brute Champagne, but in an IPA format. Maybe, maybe we're close to bringing that back, except it'll be the... The Imperial West Coast. Yeah, uh, that's West it. We'll Coast, have to get uh, a new Pilsner. name for it. Uh-huh. So it'll be the same Christmas. It will that will bring the alcohol up, and uh, we'll get uh, all of the uh, the IPA on the front. So we'll sneak that in through the back door and get back there because Ooh, it was to supposed it. to be higher gravity, like bone dry, but higher gravity with all of the uh, I think the aromatics and whatnot of the hops, the high uh, effervescence, like a champagne and that that you got in there. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting, interesting. Brian, you and I chatted about this earlier this week, so we haven't heard a lot on Anchor Brewing since the big blow-up of everything there. You know, in the last update that I had, there were a few investors that had stepped forward and said they were interested in acquiring the brewery, one, to do a reality show with it, and then the union, the Anchor Union, was looking to that. Do you have any updates for us on any of that? So I... I haven't heard. I've looked around a couple of times myself, and uh, I've I have been unable to find any follow ups on that at all. However, I did see announced that there are several collaboration beers with the between the the workers from Anchor who are interested in buying the brewery, and some uh, I guess breweries in their area. I'm not familiar with the breweries. One of them is Foxtail Fermentation Project and Enterprise Brewing. But they they have been brewing a California Commons beer called Solidarity Ale, 
And the proceeds of that beer will go towards helping the anchor workers buy the brewery from Sapporo if they're if they're able to pull it off and turn that into a a workers co-op. So apparently there's still a chance that this is going to this could happen. It could it could turn out this way because they the beer was just announced, I think, this week, maybe a day or two ago. So. I hope that's all I've heard. Work out. I think that's a brand worth saving just for the, you know, there's obviously some interest in it. And to be honest, Brian, there's, there's a lot of speculation I have that is absolutely uneducated speculation. There may be news out there that answers my speculation, but it seems odd that Sapporo wouldn't have sought a buyer prior to announcing they're closing it because with all the other breweries that have been bought, sold, changed hands in that, Anchor would be one that people would have an interest in keeping alive. It would be my thinking. So that's, and again, I don't know what I'm talking about there. It just seems weird to me that they didn't go that route. I'm not 100% sure, but I think one article in passing mentioned that the brewery claimed to have found no no interested parties in buying the brewery. So I think that maybe they selectively went out and talked to people they thought that might be interested quietly because... There was never, I never saw that in the news. Uh, I also wonder if, because reportedly this went really, really, really bad for Sapporo. I mean, the brewery's closing, so it couldn't have gone well. And it could be just a matter of, this was horrible. We want this to quietly go away. And what what they didn't take into account is how much the U.S. and beer nerds in general really love this brewery. And how much it's definitely just not going to go away quietly. So, well, I mean, imagine somebody going to Japan. Imagine an American company going to Japan buying Sony, and mm-hmm. or or let's say, what's the is it Asahi? Is that or uh, Sapporo? Asahi, yeah. I mean, let's just put it back Sapporo, on the other foot. Yeah. Let's say they go over there and they buy Sapporo and they spend two years running it in the ground, and then they're like, "Hey, we're closing it." You know, how many Japanese people would? would be upset over that. Hey, this is, you know, this is a classic Japanese brand. You know, it's been around mm-hmm. for, I don't know how long, but I'm, I know longer than a few years for sure. I, I, so. I couldn't speak for it culturally, but I suspect it would not go well. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Crazy. But uh, yeah, I wish them luck there. I hope that works out uh, again. I'm part of the problem because I didn't buy them as often as I, I could have or should have. There's a lot of options out there, but I just think it's it's Americana, man. It's a it's an Americana brand. I'd love to see it stay alive there. But on more California brewery news, Brian, a, a brewery that I did buy a good amount and consume a, a good amount of Lost Abbey, and uh, you know they announced a while ago that they would be downsizing, right sizing the brewery, going into a smaller space, and uh, they've split from port. You know different things there, but Lost Abbey two is out there, and interestingly enough, they've got a lot of IPAs. Uh, on the menu right now and that's something that really wasn't not what they're known for you know they the yeah. big beers sour beers uh we we had uh, we chased down like cable car and duck duck goose and ones those were back in the bottle share days uh the they were the whales that people chased that's so. right it was black parade one of theirs i think it was called black parade <sighs> i don't know and i remember I th- cable car and duck duck goose those are the two i remember and I think I might still have a bottle of that. I think it was one of theirs and it was great. Yeah. It was a really, really good, like little 375 cork and cage deal. Yeah. Love that. But they're uh, open my again. Black parade. With, what's that? My Black Parade? My Black. Yeah. Okay. My Black Parade. Okay. But they're good. They're opening up, Brian, four IPAs, Italian Pilsner. They said they're, they're still going to offer the same great brands that people know them for. And just blowing my absolute mind, they'll have a pumpkin beer coming up soon, Brian. <laughs> so. You know, the Heritage Line, as they're calling it, of the corked and caged uh, Belgian-inspired uh, beers are coming through. So, good old Lost Abbey. Again, another one. I'm glad they're still around. And, Brian, maybe, I don't know why this is on beer news here, but it obviously tickled you enough that you had to list it. But, you know what? I'm not even going to give it a lead in. Tell me what you got, Brian. Are you talking about the hot dog straw? I am talking about the hot dog straw, <laughs> yes. So, you you did see I, I imagine you saw the video the the viral video from last year dude drinking his beer through a hot dog. Well, Oscar Meyer saw that too, and uh, they've decided to create a real plastic. I think it's plastic straw that's uh, shaped like a hot dog, and that you can use to drink beer or whatever other beverage you you want out of it. I, I did notice that. I don't know what the material is, but it's not dishwasher or microwave safe, and you're not supposed to use it in hot beverages. So definitely your beer and other cold beverages. 
Uh, you can pre-order them now for for free. They're giving these things away from the okay. Oscar Mayer website, but there's a daily limit. Unfortunately, I did not succeed in ordering one uh, yet. I was going to get one. Okay. Uh, and the ordering window ends September 5th. So if you would like to be part of the cultural phenomenon that is the hot dog straw, go to their website and try to try your luck at, at ordering one. When I saw that link and I went to it and I saw the form to fill out to pre-order, I started to fill it out and I told myself, why? <laughs> why, why, why would I do this? I have no need at all for a hot dog straw. I did the same thing. I looked at yeah. it and I'm like, I don't want to fill that out. And I'm yeah. like, why is the price not listed? And I'm like, oh, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to try it just because, hey, I'm with it's beer, guys. It's related to beer. I, I, I feel an obligation to check this out. So I filled it in. I'm like, oh, it's I'm like, oh, I guess it's free. I guess you just have to register for it and they'll send you one. So uh, how about you, Nate? Did you uh, did you uh, try to order one yet? I did not. Um, but I totally see you, Brian, showing up to the next bottle share with your oh, yeah, just slurping them down. <laughs> Nate, we are sipping cocktails now, and you could stir oh, and drink point. with that. So, you know, maybe maybe I do need to get one for the cocktails. You know, a little umbrella on one side, hot dog on the other. Do it. Do it with Pretty your good. Bloody Mary. Your Michelatas. Oh, yeah. That, that, would, would that be may be fantastic. tasty through an actual hot dog. Maybe I'll get like a foot-long kielbasa and run a hole through it. And see or like an andouille out. sausage. Yeah. 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 I mean, they put like whole pieces of chicken and cheeseburgers and stuff on Bloody Mary. So I don't mm -hmm. think a hot dog is really that far out of left field to put in one. So. And I did see a video to make your life easier if if you're having trouble threading that uh that uh kielbasa or that yeah. andouille sausage, okay. you can yeah. use a drill with the right drill bit and get yourself mm -hmm. a proper straw that way. So maybe I'll put it on a lathe so it's nice and centered and and run the drill through it <laughs> yeah, on a lathe. That right. uh, sausage. Someone comes in they're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm <laughs> drilling a sausage." You know, just I'm just going to act like it's it's total normal behavior there. I'm drilling a wiener. I'm drilling you a sausage. <laughs> crazy, crazy. Uh, Maui wildfire relief. We want to remind everyone, we talked about this on last week's show, but if you're a brewer and you want to help out with the relief efforts in Hawaii for the wildfires, terrible damage there, Maui Brewing is doing a collaboration beer, and I think it's, is it Kokua? Kokua, Brian? Do you know? Did you see a pronunciation? I'm not 100% sure on the pronunciation, I'll be honest with you. Okay. I assume it was Kokua, but I don't know. That's what it looks like. But if you go to MauiBrewing.com slash K-O-K-U-A, which looks like Kokua to me, MauiBrewing.com slash K-O-K-U-A, you can get info and sign up to brew the collab beer there with them. So And help out those that really, really need it. Brian, time for our beers of the week. we got a great selection here. As always, we want to thank our friends at The Nest for sponsoring this segment. Uh, the Nest, craft beer, barbecue, downtown Kennesaw, Georgia. Brian, they've got trivia for everything there. They run it for, I've seen, there's Friends trivia. There's New Girl, I think it is. There's every show out there. And Brian, even my most favorite shows, I would probably do horrible at trivia. But apparently a lot of people get into their shows enough that they could do that. You know, they go out yeah. there and play trivia and have a good time with it. But uh, go check them out the next time you're in the area. Kennesaw, Georgia, The Nest, for craft beer, barbecue, and trivia. And just have a good time. So, On the beer list today, we have Bitburger Pills. Brian, that's one of your faves, right? It that's is, kind of a, yes. An, yes. an inexpensive go-to. From Fontaflora in Arizona Wilderness, we have Doomtree, which is a Kolsch aged on fresh lemon zest and local elderflower. From Noda Brewing, Hop, Drop, and Roll, which is a West Coast-style IPA. And shout out to Noda. They they dropped us off a, a goodie pack of their beers there. We're going to have them on a future show, but we're definitely... Look Brian, they had a pumpkin beer in there. They're they very, did. very proud of that, so we'll, we'll get that and check it out soon. We also have from Monday Night Brewing, Surround Sound, which is an American Pilsner. From Dalton Brewing, Space Cow, which is a milkshake Northeast IPA. Both of those are Georgia repping the locals there, huh, Nate? with uh yep. with some of the beers and uh a jack's abbey post shift which is a bavarian pills so a good variety of stuff that we've got going on and we're just going to have a good time drinking and enjoy that brian the uk ever since brexit happened there's been arguments over it. I've, I've heard so many stories of people just doing that shocked pikachu face when they find out they can't freely travel throughout europe and do everything they want to do but 
it's gotten serious now because they're saying that it's affecting the breweries there. Yeah, that's right. So if you've uh, you've if you've noticed that the the rate of closures in breweries in the UK seems higher than it is here in the US, you might be onto something, and it, you might be wondering why that is. And uh, I know I have, and I had not connected the dots. Apparently, leaving Brexit figures into this because uh, trading arrangement uh, trading arrangements with the European Union countries require beer to be accompanied by expensive and time-consuming paperwork. And uh, to make matters wor- worse, because of all this paperwork, some shipping companies are no longer accepting alcohol shipments from the UK. It's basically like having to submit customs forms with all of your shipments. And uh, if you've ever shipped anything internationally, oh my goodness, the, uh, the, the, the documentation you've got to, you've got to fill out, it, it is, it's a headache. It really is. A surprising number of smaller craft breweries in the UK were getting a significant portion of their sales from countries in the European Union. According to one of the uh, the breweries that was closing that was mentioned in this Guardian article, uh, they were getting 50% of their annual revenue from European countries. And I think yeah. that they lost all but like one of their clients there because of, of the Brexit situation. Of course, there are other factors that make it tough to brew beer in the UK aside from Brexit and COVID and inflation, which I think we're seeing everywhere, and CO2 shortages, uh, larger breweries are able to buy up tap lines and put cheaper beers on them. So this is not something I think you can do in the U.S., but breweries can just buy a tap line. It, it's, it belongs to them, and yeah. it's uh, there are protections against selling other beers on it, I think. And uh, there's also been a spike in prices of hops and barley due to the, the war in the Ukraine. And uh, we something else we talked about on the the previous show, a couple of shows ago, actually. There's a change in the law in the UK that ties the taxes to the amount of alcohol in, in a beer. So more alcohol means more taxes, which is why we've seen these, these beers stealthily dropping their ABVs and selling the same beer at the same price to try to lower their taxes. So... Right now, I I read a fair amount of people saying that they're comparing what's happening in the UK right now to the uh, the craft beer bust, basically that happened in the late 1990s. I'm I'm not sure that that's a good comparison. I think we've got different things happening, but the rate of closure maybe maybe that makes sense. Yeah, uh, different markets. I mean, just where the beer markets are in America versus the UK, it's it's different. We're we're young mm-hmm. and dumb. We're like a toddler over here with our our measly 200 years of beer history and most of that exactly. being, you know, light lagers and stuff. So it's, uh, you know, a different, it's a, it's a culture there. I've heard people, you know, going to the corner pub and having beer. It's a, it's, it's a family affair, man. Go get you yeah. whatever it is they eat over there. Something Brown, I'm sure something with gravy, <laughs> yeah, and, something and fried. That. Yes. Yeah. Something <laughs> fried with gravy, a fish and fish and chippers or something that they call it. But, uh, yeah, just a different culture. In the drinking, from what I've heard, I, I I say that just from secondhand information. I'm trying to think of all of the breweries that we have here in Georgia, and they've expanded into other states. What they would would need to do if if we actually had to fill up customs forms to get yeah, out of wrong. out yeah. of the state of Georgia and into Tennessee or Alabama or South Carolina or one of those places or Florida. I mean, could you imagine in in I guess I guess at least with the European Union, I would imagine the custom forms are all the same. I don't know if that would be the same for us over here if if we went every place was a state. But the point is that would be incredibly incredibly taxing, and it would be it it would make you change or reevaluate how you do business. And if you're counting on that out of state business, which is what they were doing, and it suddenly ends, I don't know what you can do about that. Yeah, you know. I mean, I don't know the answer to this. I don't know if you do either, Brian. With but with the European Union, do you like the the import paperwork in that? Do you just have to do it for the for the European Union in total, or is it by country? Do they, if you're not part of the mm-hmm. European Union, do you get to trade freely? You just sign up with Europe and and do it. So I think it's standardized, and I think that's part uh-huh. of the the union situation. I think it it would be much like shipping something into the U.S doesn't matter if you're sending it to Georgia or New York or Florida, you're going to have to use kind of the same paperwork. I think that's how this works. Not an expert on this, but I, yeah. 
to my understanding, it's kind of a a uniformity, and uh, there's some other benefits of being involved in it. I think I'm not 100 percent sure that. <laughs> And it extends you, beyond the beer knowledge at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's so. beyond it. We're talking, you know, global politics. We're kind of out of the loop on that one a little bit. Have you heard anything good about Brexit? I don't. <sighs> I but think that there was. Case, it's probably a case if there is something good, that's not newsworthy for Americans. So we don't mm-hmm. we don't hear that. We hear stuff like this. We hear the negative stuff. I think that it may have been. And I think this might have been a motivating factor. It may have been beneficial to the their currency. It may have protected their currency. And I don't think that they ever adopted the euro. I think they always had the, the pound sterling. And I think yeah. that not being part of that gave them some flexibility and some freedoms uh, that they they found desirable. I think it may have I may I think it may have protected the value of their currency and it may have also help them with certain things. So they don't have to adhere to some of the same rules about products they bring in, products they sell, they send out, or internal laws. I think that once you en- enter the European Union, I think that you, there are certain things you have to do. There's a little bit of, I think there's a little bit of sovereignty you lose as a nation once you're part of it, because you have to adhere to certain things. It's like oh, entering a homeowners association. And the I, I can tell you those suck. <laughs> The EUHOA, man. The yeah, EU, I, making sure that your blinds are the right color in your country, and, and that's right. Your, that your grass is properly the whole, cut. All of Portugal's grass is cut. Is yeah, Portugal right. part of the EU? I think they are. I, I think they are, uh, so. yes, I believe so. I've actually been there. Yes, I believe yeah, they are. Yeah. They weren't. Uh, they were doing Euro there. So, I the that Euro. may not be a fair comparison, but I think it's a little bit like that. It's like, yes, these are their own separate countries, but now they're part of an HOA and they have to do certain things, certain ways it, to man. uh to get by, or they'll turn off the water or the power or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Karen at the exactly. HOA board is gonna throw a fit over something <laughs> minuscule in that. So very much. Yeah. Brian, well, you know, one thing maybe being in part of the of Europe is Germany could get help with the raccoon situation there because it sounds like it's a I heard the word plague thrown around. It's yeah, it seems like it's almost a natural disaster at this point in time. Uh so last week we were talking that Germany had some uh declining beer sales and that was a bit of a problem. This week I think we see a solution. They just need to figure out a way to sell beer to raccoons. Because German yeah. raccoons have developed a taste for German beer. And all over Germany, raccoons are reportedly breaking into houses to steal beer and apparently also kill family pets, which is wow. really unfortunate. Okay. Yeah, they're, okay. they're, they, they may be cute, but oh my God, they're deadly. Um, in the process, they're also doing thousands of dollars of damage to homes that they break into. So they're wrecking the place, too. They're partying hard. It seems like the... Uh, there has been a massive growth in the raccoon population, which is part of the problem. 20 years ago, according to what I read, there was less than 10,000 uh, raccoons in all of Germany. This year alone, they killed 200,000 just to control the exploding population. That's the ones they, they put down to, to, to shrink the population. So uh, some advice to for German homeowners, keep your beer where the raccoons can find it easily It'll save you repair bills later. If you hide it, they're just going to wreck your stuff looking for that beer. So just put it right out there where they can get to it. Yeah, Get a little tiny fridge and put yeah. it outside for them. You know, maybe put a picture on it of a raccoon and a little <laughs> graphic on how they open the door. Really, they're fairly smart. They'll figure it out. Like, you know, if they were to watch you a couple of days getting in there and getting a beer, they'd know where to get the beer from. So it's, uh, it, yeah, I mean... All the videos I see on TikTok and that, Brian, they always seem friendly. You know, they're they're coming up and they're using their cute little paws to get some cat food out of the dish. And they're just sitting there. They're not causing any. They just want a little bit of kibble, Brian, and a beer, apparently. So, well, I think that they're I think you're seeing them sober. I think they're bad drugs. Oh, <laughs> Ugly I, drugs. I mean, yeah. Kind of want to see those videos too, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. But yeah, a, man, a little bit. German beer, enjoying those uh, those good German beers, Brian. You know, sometimes I want a German beer, and I need to look for a place to get it. I'm looking to get a bite to eat and a German beer. I'm just wondering if you know anywhere I might be able to do that. 
Well, you know, I do know of a place that you you could probably uh, work that out exactly. Uh, truck and tap, truck and tap. Is this where we're? T- well, this is where we're heading. We're talking about truck and tap right now. So lately, I have been talking a lot about the truck and tap Alfreda and Lawrenceville locations. But this week, I need to give a little love to the Duluth location because coming up Saturday, September second, they're celebrating their fifth anniversary. the uh, The party will go on all day, noon to midnight. They'll have live music specials throughout the day giveaways a photo booth and a, a bunch more things that they haven't even made public yet if you get your ticket f- for the event from bigtickets.com you'll you'll get a complimentary beer a fifth anniversary t-shirt a goodie bag a raffle entry and a plate of barbecue from the day's food truck food truck but wait there's more you also get the feel goods from knowing that the proceeds of the event will be donated to the uh, Duluth police and fire departments of course, you don't have to wait for the uh, the party to swing by Truck and Tap. You Every day is a good day to visit Truck and Tap. And as always, you can check the Truck and Tap website ahead of time at truckandtap.com to see what's going on, what's pouring, what's what the, the food truck is. And uh, it's going to be a heck of a party there. So you want to check that out. A heck of a party is yeah. my kind of party, Brian. Speaking of party, we're partying, partying this weekend at Terrapin Brewery, Atlanta, at the Battery Beer Festival there. If you're around, if you hear this before the Beer Fest, come hang with us. We'd love to see you out there. There's going to be beer samples, local vendors, food, just a lot of cool stuff going on there. It's going to be a great time. And, you know, even if you're not there for the Beer Fest, stop by Terrapin Brewery, Atlanta. They kind of act, Brian, as the experimental laboratory, laboratory, Brian, for Terrapin Beer Company. And you always find something new on tap there. You know, one of the new ones, I think we mentioned this was coming up, but their Triple Buzz, which is a Belgian triple with honey. That's on tap. Now you can check that out. Surabat Valley Harvest Brew. You know what we're going to throw out? This is a trivia question. If you hear this show, if you're the first person to send us a DM about Surabat Valley and where that's coming from, we'll send you a swag pack. We'll send you a T-shirt and a sticker. So, you know, drop us a DM. Let's see what we can do there. Let us know. But that is a tart and salty goza. With uh, watermelon aroma, Brian. You also have uh, their latest one one hopper series, which is using Superdelic. Superdelic is a New Zealand hop with flavors and aromas of red fruit, candy, citrus, and tropical fruit. Brian, the Kolsch that we sampled a little while ago, that's on tap there. You can go check out the Kolsch. Great beer. They even sent that out to a few places around town. So you can go, if you're in the Atlanta area, might find it somewhere else. But the best place is to go directly to the source, get it. Grab you some barbecue from Fox Brothers right there in the Terrapin Tap Room and have a good time. You know where those uh, the, the honey came from for Triple Buzz, that Belgian uh, triple with honey? I do, but tell me. They, they, they actually collected the bees that were hanging out in, in the baseball field. They, usually, the, usually those get exterminated because they're kind of pests. They collected those bees, they set them up somewhere, gave them a home, and they've collected the honey. And they're using that baseball diamond honey, basically, to make uh, to uh, contribute to to the beer, so it's a really cool story. Like, is uh, this another version of Live or Liar that that you're no, throwing out there, Brian? I think th- no. This is re- they really did get the beast. They, uh, I, I, I quickly read the story earlier today. They had improvised some sort of little capture box for for the bees, and they took them elsewhere from from the uh, the field, the ball field, and uh, gave them a home. And actually, that's cool. That's right. where the honey came from. Yeah, so it's as I, I had no idea about that until uh, just before the show today. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. That's yeah. I didn't. I knew that uh, they harvested it, you know, from local bees, but I didn't realize how local there. So that's it's very cool. local. Brian, everything out there has got stats, figures, facts, and all that. And uh, one of the latest is the most valuable beer brands. Top ten, Brian. So who are our most valuable beer brands? Yes, yes, we have a new list every year. There's a list of the uh, the most valuable beer brands, and they're they're always fun to look at to see the, the, because the big names are always jockeying for position. It's it's mostly the names you've heard before, but uh, the the list I'm looking at was compiled by the business validation consultancy firm Brand Finance to give them credit, and I got it off of AmericanCraftBeer.com to give them credit because they summarized it really nicely for me. My first question to you guys before I reveal all the answers to everything is, do you think Bud Light is still on the top 10 list? And if so, what position do you think they're at? Yeah, yeah, I think they're, st- I think they're still in the top 10. 
I know they got knocked down a few spots. Um, three? Three, I would say. I think maybe they got a couple smacks there. Nate, how about you? What do you think? You know, I, I still think they're top ten. I, I was going to guess five. They've, they've taken a pretty big hit. So you guys are close. They are still on the list. They are number four on the list. Actually, number three is Budweiser. So there's a distinction okay. between all right, all right. the brand of Budweiser and Bud Light. And it turns out, I don't, I don't have all the specific stats in front of me. They have held steady at uh, points three and four on the list since last year. So everything that's happened, and it has made a dollar, a big dollar amount change for them. They're still in the same spot that they were at before. Now, Tim, you wanted to say something. I was just going to comment that it's interesting that Bud Heavy is above Bud Light, and I think that's probably a sign of how many people they alienated there, because I know Bud Light was pro- was the, the one. Everybody's drinking the light beers these days. I think that I'm, I'm thinking it may be beyond just the sales uh, in terms of value, because I think Budweiser as a whole as a brand is an incredibly valuable brand, you Clydesdales and everything else going on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they, okay, I see. Yeah, yeah if they I would have that thought, into the brand. Yeah, yeah, I would have thought actually Bud Bud Light would be the more uh, the more valuable brand just on sales alone. But I I think the Bud Light actually outsells Budweiser. But I think the Budweiser brand itself is a more valuable property. So that really quick. Oh, you know what? Who's position one? Any is guesses? Modelo. Nate? That's what I was going to guess. Modelo or uh, Corona? No, it is not. It's actually Heineken, if you can believe it. Okay. And uh, I want to take this moment to mention that uh, that may have something to do with them not pulling out of Russia like they said they would, and other companies did pull out of Russia. I don't know how much that figures into uh, what their, their current valuation is or not, but uh, yeah, they're number one on the list. So here's the complete list. Heineken's number one at the uh, uh, on the list with Seven point about six billion dollars worth of, of value. Corona Extra is the second place. Mm. Budweiser and Bud Light three and four, as we mentioned. Uh, Modelo is number five, so it's just behind Bud Light in, in terms of valuation, even though it's outselling Bud Light right now. Number six is interesting to me. It's a brand called Snow. Have you guys ever heard of this? No. I have. China, right? China. I think it's. Exclusively I think it's sold the number in one beer in China. If I remember, because I I saw it mentioned one time, I'm like, I've never heard of this, so I had to Google. They're like, this is the number one beer in China. I was like, wow, okay, huh. cool. Yeah, so that's at number six, and ahead of that, just be, uh, behind them is Kieran, Asahi, Coors, and Miller Light are nine and ten. And the interesting thing is Coors Light. I think it was Coors Light had just entered the top ten list a couple years ago. They weren't even in the top ten of most valuable brands. Uh, so, I mean, for all for all the scandal, the drop in the Bud Light sales, it still has double the valuation of Coors Light and Miller Light. And uh, that said, their valuation dropped from $5.9 billion to $4.5 billion over the course of the year since 2022. So it's interesting that, uh, you know, snow being as high as it is, being only sold in China, and it's a 4%, I think it said... I think they quoted it as being super not non-premium, like super very not, not yeah. premium, okay. whatever that means. But four percent lager, only sold in China. I really want to try that. I I, I really I, do because I'm I've heard about it, it a couple well. of years. So yeah, it's grown like four hundred percent over the past ten years. It's just exploding. So interesting. Quite you the know, phenomenon. When, when I was answering what I thought my what I thought they were, I was thinking the American beer market. But we're talking global here, global brand value. And I think it's interesting. Are any of these others? So it's Molson Coors. Miller broke off from Coors, right? Those are two different companies yeah, now. Yeah. I th- mm-hmm. So you have, uh, what about the others? The Asa, Asahi, Kieran, are any of those shared? And the reason I said that is they specifically break out Budweiser and Bud Light because if you put those both together under the Anheuser Busch brand, that is, they would be number one between the two of them looking at dollar values because oh yeah yeah Heineken's in number one with a valuation of 7.594 million and Budweiser and Bud Light together would be 12 and a half if I'm doing my quick math correctly so they would be considerably higher both falling under the Anheuser-Busch umbrella there but if you're doing that consolidation you have to keep in mind the Heineken owns a lot of things I I don't even remember what I was looking at but it was like a 
a big a big uh, massive beer in one country was exclusively owned by Heineken or something like that. It's like the the most popular beer in Romania or something like that. I, I think yeah. is what it was. And it's like if you consolidate all those together, Heineken may still be number one. You know, just based upon ownership of things. Yeah, if they're talking specifically just the Heineken brand in this case, yeah. Where more info is needed here, Brian. Interesting Correct. to see, though. Interesting to see. Yeah, they're fun. They're not complete, and I don't know exactly what they tell anybody about things, but they give you an idea of, yes, Bud Light was injured by this. We can see financially yeah. the valuation dropping, and Miller and Coors Light seem to be growing, seem to be mostly moving up, so who knows? Crazy, crazy. Brian, and there's even more. You've got even more Bud Light news for us, right? Yeah, it's a this is a very macro heavy show for some reason. I just that's oh, what the, the news macros. is. But uh so Billy Bush recently said that he wants to uh buy back Bud Light from A B InBev. Uh he and he made this uh this announcement on a uh a podcast, a political podcast, and uh, he said he wanted to quote make Bud Light great again. So it was a you know, a little bit of a uh, right leaning podcast, I guess you might guess. Uh he also commented that he doesn't think uh, AB InBev uh, or InBev, the company that bought Anheuser-Busch in 2008, has ever understood their audience and that the current situation just reflects that lack of understanding. They bought it. I, I, don't, I think I may not have mentioned it, but 2008 is when they, they bought it out from them. As to how serious he is about buying, it doesn't sound that serious. He basically said he'd like to buy the brand if, if it was put up on the market. I don't think it will be, uh, but he we have seen Budweiser put a bunch of brands up on the market, like eight of them all at once. And uh, th those did sell. So it's a possibility. The, uh, the author of the Newsweek story reached out to AB InBev to get a comment, but uh, there was no response. I think it's clear the chances of this really happening are, are basically zero, but uh, Billy Bush was in the news saying he wants to buy Bud Light. So yeah, that sounds like a little posturing, throwing your chest out there kind of thing. Just trying to make a, make a statement. So Whatever, Billy Bush. What? It's a great way to get yourself in the news again. I yeah, that's you know that's actually what I was thinking. Is that absolutely mm -hmm. you know you want to go on there and and say something crazy? Yeah, exactly. Get I, your news there. He, he's so. apparently, and I don't know a a, tr a a tremendous amount about the guy, but he's apparently an interesting character. So. Yeah, I would imagine that just from the little bit you just told me, Brian, I would imagine he was an interesting character. So yeah. <laughs> whenever he hangs out with Mike Lindell. Maybe they're buddies. Who knows? I huh? could well be. <laughs> yeah. Brian, things that definitely interest me more is uh, we saw an article this week that talks about the countries that drink the most beer per capita. And uh, you're going to run down the top five with us here, correct? I am. I have the top five. Number five is Germany. And uh, they're 92.4 liters per capita. Uh, and this is after the decline of sales that we talked about last week. Number four is Romania, which is why I was—I believe that that's the country that Heineken owns their major beer that they drink there. And they're a little bit ahead of uh, Germany by uh, almost one, one liter per capita. Uh, number three is Poland. Number two is Austria, which surprises me because you never—I never hear Austria and think, "Wow, what a what a beer drinking country yeah. that is." Yeah. But uh, mm -hmm. they're ninety uh, at number two with ninety six point eight liters per capita. But uh, who do you guys think is the number one? So I'm reading it here, so I can't guess since I read ahead. Like in the previous ones, I know you got the notes there, but I purposely don't look so I can play along with the guessing game. Yeah, I'll just say it doesn't surprise me. How about how about you, Nate? Did you did you read it beforehand? Did you have a guess as, as to who the number one would be? Are we still doing the liar segment? Yeah, yeah. let's do it. Do the liar. Yeah, Make please guess, tell me Nate. sweet little lies. Hmm. Gosh, well, without reading ahead, um, was it the Czech Republic? Wow, wow. You are Nate. correct. You brilliant. I, I did know this. I know that the Czech Republic is, is just uh, notorious for their beverage consumption there, or their beer consumption specifically. Uh, it turns out, so, and it's not even close. It's almost double. It's 181.9 liters per capita. It's, it's a huge difference between Austria and Austria being number two, I'm still interested in this. I'm like, wow, they really like their beer there. Anyway, beer in the Czech Republic in some places is cheaper than water, which is crazy. Huh. And they sell half liters of beer for just over a dollar. So, I mean, I guess I get why they drink yeah. so much of it. And I don't think it's, I don't think they're drinking anything really super high gravity. I think they're drinking 
It's a pretty light lager. It's pretty pills, light man. pilsners. Yeah, the Czech pills. Is so, uh, so I had heard before people talking about traveling and drinking and, and all of that and where uh, where to go. And they're like, Czech Republic is just the most affordable. Anytime a list comes about about the cost of beer and that Czech Republic is like, hey, you know, for 32 cents, you can get a gallon of beer in, in Czech Republic, you know, something like that. But mm. although I was not surprised that Czech Republic was number one in there, I was surprised how much more it is than that. And yes. so you figured that's that's just shy of four liters a week per person. And you've got to take that. Some aren't drinking at all there. Yes. And so, I mean, <laughs> they're 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 kicking it. They're kicking it. So that means some people are drinking a lot more than. Yeah. That. It's yeah. Uh, they've maybe they've got, uh, you know, uh, we've got water, water tanks, water jugs in, in offices. Maybe they've just got a beer tap instead of just going over and grabbing the water. They just pull the tap and they're just yeah. drinking Pilsner all day in the office. So here's the, what do you think the U.S. is on the, is on the list of the, the, the top 20? Because we're there. We are on the top 20. Okay. I was going to, I wouldn't have been surprised if we weren't, to be quite honest with you. And uh, 20 is my guess. Nate, did you have a, did you have a guess I'd before say, you read the notes? <laughs> I'd say we're in the bottom five of that top 20. Like the bo- 16 oh, like, through yeah. 20 somewhere. I'd say we're definitely in the bottom 15. Okay, yeah, yeah. So we the bottom fifteen, definitely in the bottom fifteen. So we're number oh. seventeen. We're okay. nestled comfortably between Bulgaria at number sixteen and Croatia at number eighteen. We do uh, seventy-two point eight liters per capita, but we're ahead of Australia, if you can believe it. They're All number right. nineteen, and okay. Australia has a bigger reputation for drinking than we do. Yeah, yeah, crazy. I don't. Man. I don't have the stat. I, I forgot to write it down, but Ireland is definitely ahead of us. They do have the reputation, okay. and they, they do live up to it. But they're not top five, so that's that's pretty interesting stuff. I, 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 I love stats like this, even though I don't think that they really amount to anything very substantial. Really. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, but is it, it is interesting if this is accurate, if we're looking at live versus liars on this list, and it's accurate that Czech Republic is... They're hammering almost 200 liters a year per capita. I don't know if I should say props to them or or pray for them there because <laughs> yeah. they're just really double any other country there. Crazy, yeah. crazy. With I think Germany being, some... go ahead. I was gonna say with Germany being number five of that top twenty, how many of those leaders are being drunk by those raccoons? That's Ooh. they could skew it. That's a Good great point. point. Man. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is that with or without the raccoon modifier on that? I like that so. it needs to be an asterisk there. Yes. Yeah, that's with right. Raccoons <laughs> without raccoons. Absolutely. Say, you're not you're not in the you're in the Hall of Fame, but there's an asterisk there. Yeah. You were propped yeah. up by raccoons, intoxicated raccoons. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, you know what? Something we don't we need to be better about doing this. We talk about our beers of the week, but I think it would be good if we shared something about the beers we're drinking. And so others know what we're drinking rather than just saying it there. Brian, what have you actually cracked? Because you had like 30 on your list, so I know you didn't drink them all in the last hour, but what'd you get into on tonight's show? So I did get into the Doom Tree that we were talking about from Fonta Flora, and uh, it's a Kolsch-style lager beer brewed with uh, elderflower and fresh lemon zest. Man, uh, you've talked about the minerality, great minerality, Mm -hmm. great, great lemon flavor. I really, really like this, and I've been on a Kolsch kick for a while, so I very much enjoy that. I just got into the hop, drop, and roll, and I've been so busy talking, I've barely got uh, like a chance to taste it. But it's it's a West Coast IPA. I it's been a while since I've had it, and I, everything I'm having is is like, oh yes, yes, that's right, that's right, that's good. It does. Uh, it takes me back a little bit because this is a beer that I it used to show up at bottle shares all the time, or not all the time, but occasionally people would get excited about it because yeah, it is are. a multi gold medal uh, winning beer. I think. In 2014 and 2021 in different competitions. I don't remember which ones. I think World Beer Cup for one of them. Anyway, great beer. Both of these are, these were great choices. And yeah. uh, I do have a Bitburger for later. And uh, I love that one. So. so, Brian, talking about the beers you're drinking, like people being excited for that at Bottle Shares, what beer would excite you today to get? Mm. What beer would you get excited to see come to Georgia, whether at a Bottle Share or on our retail shelf? Uh, so anytime anybody opens up one of the uh, Drew Fontenin alternate 
lambics, goozes that uh, not just the st- standard oud goose, not just the standard creek, though. I like both of those. If they go off script and get one of the ones that has like made with grapes or one of the other things, I'm excited to try those because I know that they're they're fairly rare and I know they're very expensive when you see them. Yeah. You know something I'll throw in as a two cents, and, and I'll say that this is definitely not a dig on those beers. More props to the base beer is I've tried a lot of those special $90 a bottle blends or, or special editions, and they are good, but they're not that much gooder than the base beer in my opinion, mm-hmm. to justify the price. The base is so good yeah. that I haven't found one of them like, oh my God, that's so much better than, than the base. The high concentration of goodosity in the original. Yes, that's right. Makes exactly. those other just to not good To use technical enough. terms, Brian. Yes. To use technical terms, exactly. What about you, Tim? If you went to a bottle share, and what would you be excited to see? I want Firestone Walker in Georgia. Mm-hmm. That's it. Oh, man. Yeah. That's the one I want to get. I want to grab Parabola off the shelf. I want to get the anniversary beers off the shelf. You know, I want to get. You know, the those are that is the brand that if there was one that I could say I really wish they'd come to Georgia, I'd really like to see Firestone Walker here. Yeah, some of those some of those anniversary ones that uh, oh amazing and yeah Parabola and all the yeah. other ones are really really well done. Their Pilsner is is uh, was a Pivo Pils or Pivo. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't think I've. I don't. I probably have tried it at one point, but I don't recall. I know that people swear by it, and I really mm-hmm. would, would like that to be available. But uh, yeah. I think we're ready for that. I think we're ready for them. We're to come ready. Here. We're ready. Yeah. Come on. We prepared come on. ourselves. We are. Our bodies are ready. Firestone Walker, come to Georgia. Yes. Nate, how about you? What would excite you, Nate? You know the the things that you guys talk about that you get to you guys get to try, and I miss out on it because I'm either busy or. Let's be honest, I'm not invited. Um, you yeah. guys tried a 20-year-old dry fountain and oud goose yeah. that yeah. still causes me to dream about it and think about what if. Because my bottles don't last that long. I might be able to age one for a couple of years, but I always find an excuse to open it prematurely. I think and I probably I, have some 12 to 15-year-old stuff in my cellar now. I don't think I have anything old, like 20 years. And, and Nate, that we lucked out. We happened to show up. Mm-hmm. at Porter Beer Bar's 20th anniversary in 2019. And not only did we try the 20-year-old from 99, but we also had a bottle of the 2019 right next to it. So we were able to taste those two side by side to see the differences and similarities. And let me tell you, that was amazing to have those side by side. And really, in all honesty, one looked like the young the young buff jock that was showing off everything compared to the refined old man. You could tell he was a chip off the old block there. Uh, the flavors were more cohesive in the older mm-hmm. one. And they the softer on the palate and more cohesive with the, the younger version. Everything was a little more brighter and separated. Like you could pick out these different tones in there. All of it was still in the 20-year-old beer. Just everything was really cohesive and softer would be the way I'd put it, Brian. I would say the young one had a defined six pack, but the other one, you know, the muscles were still there, but they you were could, they were there. They though, were there, so. but they were softer. They he's weren't the, as cut. Still refined. Still a <laughs> still. refined older gentleman. So sophisticated. <laughs> Very sophisticated. muscular beer. Now to be fair, we did luck at it wasn't planned, but I also did say don't tell Nate about this. We can't let him yeah, know ever. Don't post yeah. all pictures, and when he mentions it, be like, what? No. What? No. I saw it. It's right here on Instagram. No. 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 That's your... I think you're misreading that label, Nate. So The bottle is sitting in the studio. No. 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 no, Never heard of it. I swear. Now, it it doesn't always work out. We did... I I think it was a 2000 Cuvée Vanderkaiser Blau that I picked up off a shelf recently. Somebody Mm -hmm. brought it out of their, uh, their cellar. I don't know. I don't have any idea why it was still in there local beer store i think it was somebody who'd worked there for a long time and squirreled things away and they found it and they said just put it out on the shelf so 2000 cuvee uh good and careless uh, cuvee de van der kaiser blau uh it didn't li- it didn't hold up terribly well too i think far. it had yeah. it had gone too far and that, there was another one that was either 2007 or 2008 that was considerably better also very old but you know so brian I, as if you, as you know, if you've listened to the show for the last few weeks, at least, 
we're in our 10 fish, 10 seafood phase of life right now. And I was chatting on a sardine forum today because those actually exist. And someone mentioned, I asked them, how many tins do you have uh, of seafood? Because the tin seafood crowd is a lot like the beer crowd. There's hoarders out there, man. And I currently have 18 tins of canned seafood right now. But I mean, I didn't have one today, Brian. I've been having them for lunch. I have one to two tens a day i'm getting my omega-3s i'm getting my proteins there and that but a lot of people said they had like 30 40 one person said 60 one person said they probably had 100 one person said they have 2000 tens of wow and then they talked about aging them and what (laughs) uh, yeah so apparently for sardines about five years is as long as you want to go on the aging and every year you turn the can over. So oh, you, okay. you flip your cans and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I age beers, so I know that things can change that. What do you get when you age a can of sardines? And they said the fish becomes a little softer, a little more mild. And like if it's in an oil or a sauce or something that permeates the meat a little bit more and brings a little more flavor. Like a, a lot of these sardines, the higher end ones are in really, really high quality olive oil. Or maybe olive oil with peppers and stuff. So they said you get slightly softer fish, a little more mild flavor, and the oils penetrate a little bit more as you age it. So okay, uh, there's one of the websites I go to, Brian, that they sell some vintage sardines out there, and uh, mm. so it's 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 madness. It's pure madness there. So but you're they, building up a sardine cellar, is what you're saying? You know what? I I think the oldest ones I saw on one of the websites I go to, I think they had like a 2019. 10 and they actually had a, a a vintage pack that had the same sardines from like two or three different years i wouldn't mind ordering that just to see you know a what vertical. you get out of yeah a sardine <laughs> vertical that's right man a sardine that's vertical. it it's madness oh, man beautiful. i can't even believe that i'm saying this but it's uh oh. you know like seriously nate you saw the pics again you weren't invited as mm-hmm. is tradition but we went out to the the 10 fish place and there's one the the brand name is guayumar and it okay. is a restaurant in Spain, and they're known for their char-grilled sardines and, and other seafood. So this was they took these sardines and, you know, took the heads off, took the guts out, cut the very tips of the tails off, and then you've got the rest of the fish there. And they split that in half, and the, the belly half of that they call the loin, and then you've got the tail. And they actually can these separately where they char-grill the loins and the tails and put them in a can and we had a can of the char-grilled loins. They, they were fantastic, but we paid $30 for a tin yes. of sardines, <laughs> you know, that had a total of what, maybe two sardines worth of fish in it total? Probably, Like five yeah. bellies, I guess? It's the equivalent of oh. a three seventy five of a well, stout or something like that. What's the PPO on those sardine bellies, Brian? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, probably a lot yeah. higher. Yeah, but uh, anyhow, there's our little bit of venture. And Nate, I'm going to back up because we asked you what excited you, but the beer that you drank this week, tell us about what you got into. Yeah, so I'm drinking the Surround Sound American Pilsner right now from Monday night, and I missed it, but it's also a collaboration with Ruben's Brews. But I started off the night with that Dalton uh, Brewing Company's Space Cow, which is their milkshake New England IPA. Uh, I like Dalton Brewery a lot. I went up that way this weekend to visit a friend and they had a brown on draft. They had a neutral milk stout on draft. They had uh, this New England IPA. They had a lot of really good variety. And to beat the heat, they also had uh, seltzer, alcoholic seltzer slushies. Okay. There you go. Party on. Guys, I had the Jack's Abbey post-shift Bavarian Pilsner. Guys, this one's just all right. I, I can't rave about this one. I've had better Pilsners. You know, I, I'm loving Pilsners. This one's okay. You know, if it was given to me at a party, I'd drink it again. Uh, I've had really good stuff from Jack's Abbey, so definitely not knocking them, but this one did not knock my socks off. So Just didn't hit. I'd three and a half bottle caps it if I was rating it okay. on untapped. I'd probably three and a half it. So, yeah, nothing it, uh, nothing it, jumping out on that one. This Doom Tree is close to the four and a half caps yeah. spot for me. That's It's really good. Uh, the minerality, it's, uh, was it calcium or something in there? I'm tasting it. And it's a it's a, a collab with Arizona Wilderness, and I think Arizona Wilderness oh, yeah, also did, had a similar yeah. kind of mil- minerality to their profile. 
in the beers that I had from them. So man, it's remember, a great beer. Do you remember several years ago where a few breweries got together at Arizona Wilderness and they did mm-hmm. some wort and then loaded it into a truck and drove it out into the middle of the desert yeah, to get the that. wild microbes from the desert? I wonder what happened yeah. with that. Oh, was that the Savage thing? The uh... I don't remember, but uh, it was a cool project. Like they posted a lot about the project on the front end, about the breweries getting together and doing it, and them driving it out there to to capture the wild desert essence in the beer. But I don't know that I don't know if I missed it or there just wasn't any follow up. Maybe it just didn't turn out right. But it's definitely been long enough now that that should have matured to the point of being released. Yeah, yeah, that it, it seems like it would. Oh man. Because I think it's been a few years since I, I went to uh, Arizona, but they had something, I believe they had something called Region Sauvage or something like that, uh-huh. which was a wilder, spontaneous beer. And I I don't know that there was a connection, but just going by the name, that seems like it's possible it came out as a res- out of a project like that, or it could have been something else they had going on. But I think that was part of a series. I'm not 100% sure. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Guys, I think we have rambled enough for tonight. We covered all the hot tops. We talked about beer and raccoons and hot dog straws and cans full of fish. So we've really covered all the important topics. So that does wrap it up for this episode of the Beer Guys Guys Radio Show. We really appreciate you coming and hanging out with us today. Uh, We hope you have a good week. Thanks for tuning in. What, What did I say there? So. Have a great week. A Don't great forget week. to drink yeah, local. I, I, I went off Cheers. script and I was messed up there. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Have a great week. And don't forget to drink local. Cheers. <laughs>